Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not know you. It's a trap! Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Geek Shell Inherit. I'm Daniel Pickett. I'm Jason Lindsay. And hey, for you, this is the most wonderful time of year. We're officially in October now. Woohoo! I... We know from past episodes that you love it. Oh, absolutely. I wish, I wish October were every other month. Well, then it would lose a little bit of its shine, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, I suppose so, but it's, you know, I, 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 you know those people that when it's their birthday, they basically celebrate a week before and a week after. They just keep that vibe going. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about October and Halloween. I just, you know, from October 1st right through, it's like monster movies all the time, scary movies, eating more candy than you should, picking up Halloween candies, you know, specific to Halloween. Yes, Halloween cereals, as we've mentioned. Halloween cereals, even the odd Halloween-themed toy. Yes, that's right. It seems churlish not to pick those things up, right? Yeah. You know, celebrating such things. You know, uh, speaking of, we'll get right to it. Um, Now, do you know, because you're a big... Schultz guy, Peanuts and Schultz and all those characters. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a huge Peanuts guy. Not only it, are there new, smaller action figures at CVS. Yes. So you've got the regular size that they used to have all the time. Now they've got this smaller size, which is, what are they, like two and a half, three inches tall kind of thing? Uh, I think they're between three and three four. And four. Yeah. Uh, three and three quarters. And uh, so you've got four different characters uh, that I've seen now. Well, you have three different characters and two versions of Snoopy. Yes, that's right. So two. Yeah. Snoopy yeah. as the masks. What is the mask crusader? Masked Avenger, Masked mask Crusader, yep. and as a pirate. Yep. You have Lucy as the Queen of Hearts. Right. And Charlie Brown as a generic superhero with a, with a little little cloth cape, which is cool yep. because you know if you're only going to get one Charlie Brown figure, you can get that one, take the little cape off. And you've got Charlie Brown for the rest of the year. That's right. That's kind of fun. Uh, so not only are, those, are there those, but there are also two sets of figures at Toys R Us right now for Christmas stuff. Did you know about that? Oh, those are, those are out already? Well, there, yeah. There's one big set that's like the, the town with the tree and all the characters. Yeah. Then there are individual figures, which are carded, I believe. There's also then a set of like, three or four smaller figures, kind of the same size as the ones at CVS. And they're, they're funny because they're not carded. They're just sort of like in little plastic bags without a header oh, card. Wow. Okay. So it's like in a little tray. And, you know, the, 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 all the characters are just sort of thrown into this tray. And I think it's Charlie Brown again. I think it's Charlie Brown, two Snoopies, and a Woodstock. But they are articulated? They're articulated. Like the well, the Snoopy, I think, is the same one as the CVS one, but in, in different gear, like a little, I don't know if it's a hat or something. Uh, Woodstock has antlers. Charlie Brown's wearing a little cap, that winter cap. And then there's a, a, a different one that's, um, 
it's Snoopy in the plane, in the Red Baron plane. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's articulated, but it's like a, a smaller version of Snoopy, you know, just the torso that's in the, in the plane, so it's not really an action figure. Huh. So there's loads of... And, there's, and they're, they do, they're doing a bunch of Rankin-Bass stuff again. Like, they do that, you know, Rudolph and, like, is it Year Without a Santa Claus or something like that? Uh, are that? I don't know if they've... Do they have that license now? I know last time Year Without Santa Claus went through... Uh, Palisades. Well, I know for sure Rudolph. I don't know what the other one was. Yeah, Rudolph, Frosty. I know they've well, got Frosty, those Frosty, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Frosty. Yeah. Uh, and that's, those are all out through Round 2 and their Forever Fun banner. Round 2. But now they used to be... What was, what did it, who, who used to make them? Originally it was Playing, Playing Mantis. Playing Mantis, that's right. And Playing Mantis folded and they became... They were, a bunch of the people left and started their own company called Round 2. They were a fun company, Playing Mantis. They did some cool they, stuff. They totally did, yeah. They did, um, you know, they, they, they brought uh, Captain Action back. That's right. And it's round two that is doing the new Captain Action with Ed and those guys. Wait a minute. So round two is some people that used to be playing Mantis? That's correct. Oh, yes. okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. When Playing Mantis folded, they restarted a new company with a bunch of them called Round Two. Now, they, they did do one thing, though. They showed at Toy Fair many years ago that was heartbreaking that never was brought to market, uh, and that was Johnny Quest. Oh, Remember yeah. those prototypes? 12-inch, yeah, I remember seeing, I was at that toy. Oh, they were beautiful. Shooting, shooting those in the case. They were beautiful. Uh, you know, 12, range of 12-inch figures, you know, so, so Johnny and Haji were, you know, half that size. Yep. But uh, they were gorgeous uh, figures, uh, you know, cloth outfits, accessories, the works. You know, bandit, little little articulated bandit. Uh, yeah, they were using those same Captain Action and Action Boy bodies that they had. Yeah, yeah. And it never happened. It was heartbreaking. No, nope, they got away. Very- now, now Target, it seems like they used to. They'd have a pretty impressive seasonal toy spread for like Halloween. You know, yeah. And so you would get you would get options instead of giving out candy, you could give out a lot of toys and things. That's right. This year, their selection seems pretty slim. Yeah, last year there was a, an exclusive Batman. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. There was that orange and black Batman Halloween stuff. Batman? Yeah. yeah. It's funny you say that because um, just a quick little uh, sidetrack here regarding Halloween and the season and everything. You know, being from Minnesota, uh, you know, being from the Midwest, the Twin Cities, Target, Target stores started in the Twin Cities. Target stores and Best Buy are a Minneapolis, Minneapolis company. So yep. growing up, you know, obviously this isn't true, but it, it seemed like there was a Target on every street corner. Like, they're just that was the go-to place. That's where you know we always went for for most of the shopping. Then when I moved out to L.A., you know, mid '90s, at one point there were um, several of us uh, from the from from the Twin Cities that lived in the same building in Toluca Lake, and we found a Target in North Hollywood. So we would make the the trek. Like once a month on a Sunday, the four of us would pile into somebody's car, head over and do our, our shopping. And we got no end of guff from L.A. people about Target. It, they, we, they thought, oh, it's, what are you going? It's like, you know, it's like Kmart. You know, it's like Salvation Army. What do you got? Target. Blah, blah. And they so made fun of us. And then, of course, you know, 10 years go by and Target's the biggest thing ever. Uh, and they're everywhere, you know, the, uh, especially in L.A., which never used to have Target. But 
when I think of Halloween, I immediately think of Target because, you know, as a kid, you'd, you'd come around that corner in the store or wherever it was, and all of a sudden there was the Halloween section, you know, four aisles of Halloween stuff. Uh, and I always think of those, you know, the, the old Ben Cooper Collegeville boxed costumes that I'm sure yep. you, you must have worn those too, right? As a kid. Oh, yeah. And they would be just stacked, you know, in one section of this Halloween section, just just rows and rows of stacks of Ben Cooper costumes that you would sift through or look at the side of the box for the character and the size. To That's right. They were kind of like shoeboxes yes. where they would stamp a size. Yes, yep. exactly. Um, so I always, Halloween and Target are very much sort of a marriage. I just I always think of um, think of them together. So it's fun. Yeah, it's okay. fun even as a grown up. I still love my Target runs, and I love when it's when it's you know Halloween time. But then it gets sad because it it seems like when Halloween's over, the next day, you know, without missing a beat, you know, without the the corpse the corpse isn't even cold. And they start wheeling out the Christmas stuff. That always upsets me. It's like, can we can we take a moment, please, and just, you know, have a moment of silence for Halloween passing again? And let's just, you know, give us a week before you start wheeling out all the Christmas crap. Can I upset you further right now? Uh oh. Sure. The Christmas stuff is already up at Target. No. It, it is. can't be. It is. It's the for for me anyway at my target. It's the that. furthest aisle back in the Halloween section. You can't do that. In the very corner. Yeah, there's a whole aisle of Christmas stuff already. That is that is offensive. I find that <laughs> you cannot you cannot share Halloween with Christmas. That's just wrong. When did you know? When did this start to happen that that Christmas start started elbowing you know Halloween and so, said, "Come on, kid, we got to get we got to get our stuff out there. Come on." It's always that Wrap way. it up. No, it never... No, I'm telling that, you. They started putting that stuff out in August. I sound like the grumpy old man. I understand, I realize that, but I'm telling you. I don't remember... You know, they're doing it now where Christmas music is played, the, you know, 1st of November, you start hearing Christmas music. It never used to be like that. Christmas music, I swear, didn't start to get played, you know, in, in grocery stores or whatever until after Thanksgiving. That was always the that, rule. That used to be the case, yeah. And, and, and it all, you know, it's all changed. It used to be the case, too, with, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, they, being the biggest shopping day of the year, blah, blah, blah. Um, obviously, that used to be, you know, it, it always was sort of the, the standard. But when we grew up, it was never, you know, stores were not open at 7 in the morning. Yeah. It was very much just a normal retail day. It was a busy day, but the, you know, the stores, people weren't lining up at five in the morning That's to get right. to these stores. So that all yeah, they, changed too. They open earlier and they stay open later. Yeah. They're just trying to capture all those sales. It's so strange. Yeah. I find that so even like, I feel like it's, it's, it's become more and more strange, bizarre, just even the past five, six, seven years, even where, you know, some of the stores like, like a Best Buy, for example, will do that, you know, that amazing deal. They only have five of the item, though. And it's like, yes, you know, that whole thing that it never they never used to do stuff like that. No. Very strange. And it's got to be. Don't you feel like the motivation all has to do with the Internet? Say that again. Do you feel like a lot of the motivation has to do with the Internet? Because I think so. Yeah, because the Internet, they were able to. Somehow, people were able to get the 
Black Friday flyers early, uh-huh. and then they would start posting them on on the internet. And you would go to these, you know, they would have like whole sites that would just aggregate these things, oh. so you could like plan out your Thanksgiving night, you know, yeah. of where you're going to sleep on the street. Yeah, totally. But don't you feel like the notion of those early openings and that those radical sales? Don't you feel like even the motivation just for that from the store's perspective is to compete with the internet? In other words, there are so many other Oh, other I see excuses. what you're saying, to compete with the online retailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because there are so many other excuses to just get on the computer, press a button, and do your shopping. But, but if there's a way to get you out physically to the store to buy more stuff, it would seem like that was kind of the notion behind it. Yeah, but the internet's doing that too. Like Amazon, you know, tries to get you on at a certain time every day to again to get these same kind of sales and let people vote on which sales they want. I was guilty of that uh, just a couple weeks ago. There was something on Ain't It Cool News. I zipped over to to Amazon, and I was so frustrated because I knew this thing had just gotten posted, but you went over to Amazon and there was no no sale listing for it. So I oh, wow. had posted it late or. I don't know what, but uh, they do those things too, where you have that you know that twenty four hour, you know sale. Yeah. That's how I mean. I think I got, I got the Kubrick Blu Ray box set once for one of those. I mean, I got it for like thirty dollars. Oh you wow. Know, it was like a hundred and forty some dollar set, I think. And they had this twenty four hour thing, and I got it for like thirty bucks. Huh. Um, anyway, enough about Halloween and all that stuff, and Kubrick. There'll be a nice callback to Kubrick because we'll be talking about that in a moment. Uh, We're always excited. I think we always come off as a couple of excited guys because we love lots of stuff and there's plenty to get excited about as geeks. But uh, we do a little thing on this show once a a week, every episode, called What Are We Excited About? Yes. It's just just re-emphasizing a specific thing that we're excited about, but basically we can... We can say that about 90% of what we talk about, we're excited about. <laughs> that is true, yeah. If we bring it up, usually it's something we it's dig. It's something we dig. So this is something we dig even more. So this week's What Are We Excited About, as always, leads off with Mr. Pickett. Mr. Pickett, take it away. Well, I'm, I might have to do two. What? And they're both, they're both sort of Halloween-related. Oh. So they're, they're, they're topical. If they're Halloween-related, you can have as many as you want. All right, so first of all, we know Walking Dead is coming back. Yeah. Like this next weekend. About time. You guys will hear this on Monday or, you know, whatever day this week you're listening. And then the 13th, starting back up. Yeah. I can't wait. I think that's going to be awesome. But there's more, like, Walking Dead news that is out there. What? There is the webisodes have started back up. That they're, I think this is the third season of webisodes that they're doing okay. that sort of tie in to, uh, you know, the world, and then they announced just a few weeks ago that they are going to launch a second TV show that is in the same universe, what? but it takes place somewhere else in the world. What? I didn't hear this. Yeah. No way. Yeah, they're doing a spinoff show that's just going to be another group of people in another part of the world that are dealing with the same thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Uh, when so that then ha- we might get Walking Dead year-round. When is that happening? I, I haven't heard a date on it yet. Wow. But yeah, they, they announced they're putting that together at, at AMC. So That's more cool. more zombie walking dead goodness oh, coming. Right on. And so all brand new characters, no one no one that's that was in the uh that's been in the original series. 
That's right. As I understand it, yeah, there's not. I can't think of anyone that says, like wandered away and we don't know what happened to them. Cool. So. Oh, that's that's very cool. I'm very much, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, so that's that's kind of exciting. And then my my other thing, and I've I've mentioned this game on on the show before uh, that I play, The Simpsons Tapped Out. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I remember hearing uh, about this. It's a game on both uh, iOS, if you have an Apple device, or Android. Yes. And uh, they've just started just, I think, earlier this week, maybe mu- Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. They uh, started their second Treehouse of Horrors. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, upgrade for it. So if you start playing right now, everything looks real murky and spooky and there's ghosts that you have to vacuum up and you can get little prizes and things. Okay. So it's, it's been kind of fun. It's a nice little, you know, reboost uh, of the game to, to get everyone to start playing again and helping out each other. If you have other people's Springfields tied to each other, you get like more stuff. You go visit other people's place and nice. help them out. So yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that, have you seen the Guillermo del Toro directed opening for Treehouse of Horror that's made its way to the internet? No, I heard that it's coming, but I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I think it popped up yesterday. Okay. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but it is so cool. Uh, you just It's one of those things you have to watch like three times because there are so many references uh, and so many homages to to not only his, his own career and his own projects, but just loads of horror stuff in general, uh, okay. as only you know, he can do, really, because he, he likes such cool stuff and obscure stuff. So that's out there. So, uh, so okay. check it out. It's very, it's very cool. That sounds fun. Cool. So, well, what I'm excited about is uh, is kind of uh, kind of random, kind of kind of odd, but um, the this just happened actually. Um, a, a good friend of mine um, in the UK, his name is Malcolm Doherty. Uh, he's a he's an old friend. Gosh, I think it's going on about 10, 10 11 years now. I, I worked on a show, actually, Bands Reunited, um, when I was in London all those years ago for five weeks, four or five weeks, uh, putting together the episode for Haircut 100, uh-huh. Malcolm was like my right-hand man in the, in the office. And, and we just, you know, from, from day one, it was just like a secret handshake. We just hit it off immediately. And uh, I won't go into too much detail, but back then, uh, you know, Malcolm liked to drink. Uh, and, and, and I, don't, I don't think you have to go into much more detail than that. I think we understand. As I did as well, and I still like to drink, but just just not like I did back then. Um, and it was I always tell the joke of those horrible, you know, mornings where you shuffle into the office and you just want to kill yourself. And I'd, I'd love it when he'd come over to me and say, "We can't do that again. We cannot do last night. We can't do that again. We just gotta, you know." Well, by four o'clock in the afternoon, he'd come around my desk and say, "Hey, where are we going tonight? What should we What should we do?" Uh, so it was it was just a great time, and we've we've been friends ever since. Um, he's one of the, he was kind of a guy like us, where he's just he's into music and movies and pop culture and stuff, and he's also a, a, a great musician. Uh, he's always been in and out of bands uh, through the years, and uh, quite a few years back, he was in a band called La Honda. Okay. Uh, it was it was Malcolm and um, a couple other guys, and then a woman was the vocalist. Her name is Rumor, and uh, Rumor is now pretty famous. Past couple of years, um, not not much in the U.S., but big in the U.K. and making her way to the U.S. Kind of um, 
I suppose kind of in the uh I don't know I'm trying I'm trying to think of who she you know what she sounds like she's she's she has moments in in her songs where she sounds very much like Karen Carpenter she has that that kind of voice it's, okay. it's very uh very distinctive uh anyway she's been friends with Malcolm for years and uh a few trips back she was wrapping up the tour and they played the Royal Albert Hall and Malcolm got uh, myself, my wife, uh, tickets. So I finally got to the, go to the Royal Albert Hall, which I've never been to. And there was a point in the show where the band, her band sort of left the stage, and then Malcolm comes out and does three or four songs, just, just him on acoustic guitar and her. Um, current stuff and stuff from the La Honda days. Now, La Honda uh, never got to release uh, a record. They had some deals where their their, their songs were in a couple of big commercials, uh, big campaigns for the UK, and that got them some notoriety. Big, okay. The big record that they were working on, he told me the story once, but for whatever reasons, um, it never got wrapped up. Now, with the level of fame that she has, a while back she said to the guys, let's go back in, finish the record, you know, uh, tweak it, you know, do some, some overdubs, and, and I'll do some, you know, some vocals if, if, if necessary. And uh, he told me this, you know, big story a couple trips ago, and I thought, oh well, eventually it'll come out. And then I'm looking at the new issue of Mojo with uh, uh-huh. Paul McCartney on the cover, whose new record will be out any day. Um, and there's like the hot list, the hot twenty list, and there on the list, like number eight, is a track called "I See Stars" by La Honda. Oh wow! Uh, so there is a, a, a YouTube video up as we speak. For I see stars, so just you know, look up I see stars La Honda. You'll see a, a great picture of the group, and in the left of the photo that's that's up, the still photo that's up, you'll see my buddy Malcolm. And uh, the album is going to be out, I believe, this month. They finally got it together, and it's and it's coming out. And I'm very excited for my friend, and uh, and hope that it leads to all kinds of stuff because he deserves it. He's a he's a great guy. Uh, a dear friend. So that's what I'm excited about. La Honda, my buddy Malcolm Doherty, uh, playing guitar and vocals and such, is is about to come out. So, uh, you know, kudos to him. Uh, and, and yeah, that's man. great. Yeah, it's really it's really cool. So that it's always fun, you know, for like those lost projects to sort of come back together. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, you know, he was talking about something else. Oh, well, he told these great stories, and he. He did. He he was really sneaky. They went to Abbey Road to do some stuff one one day, and um, he was very sneaky about snapping some photos with his iPhone because you're not supposed to take any photographs in in the studio. Uh, oh, okay. But he snuck a few, and he swears by this because he spoke with a one of the engineers that's been there for a hundred years, and I found it hard to believe it. Some of the actual chairs, you know, there there are a couple of chairs on the roof where the Beatles used to go up and have, you know, either cigarette, get some fresh air, or maybe smoke a joint or whatever it was. And those chairs are still there. Oh, wow. You know, and, and just things like, you know, the, the, a certain piano and certain instruments that are still in that studio that they used back in the 60s that he sort of got to get his, his hands on for a couple of minutes. It was, it was a very cool, uh, cool set, of, set of pictures. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, so so it's really cool. So I can't I can't wait to to get it and uh, and send him a note uh, about it. So yeah, that's what I'm excited about. I just found that just discovered that the other day. So wanted to share. Very cool. Yeah, 
So uh, lots of other stuff going on, lots of other things I'm sure that we've seen and, and heard. But one of the things that we talked about last episode that um, I wouldn't say controversy, but has caused a, a, a few ripples of conversation on our Facebook page is the pilot episode of Members of S.H.I.E.L.D. What's it called? <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Asian people of S.H.I.E.L.D. Not Asian. Oh, it's not about Asian people? Agents Agent. of Shield, uh, and I felt pretty, pretty strongly about uh, the mediocrity of it. You certainly did. Uh, the second episode, I've got, you know, TiVo'd or whatever you call it, Direct TV'd. Haven't watched it yet, but uh, you found something out about the the ratings. Share it, please. Yeah, I, I also haven't watched the, the second episode yet because I started watching it the other night and my wife had not watched the first episode. Ooh. And I turned on the second episode thinking, well, you know, she's, I don't know that she's going to want to see this anyway. Right. And I, I turned on and started watching. She goes, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm just going to watch this real quick. She goes, I haven't seen the first episode yet. <laughs> I go, oh, I didn't know you were on board. So that's, that's why I haven't seen the second episode yet because she hasn't seen the first. So, uh, yeah, it, the second episode aired. Uh, they, you could tell they were, they were trying, I think they heard the feedback that people weren't thrilled with the first episode. Uh, so they leaked the information that there was something big going to happen in the second episode. And that just like the movies, you should stay tuned for the whole thing. Whoa. Uh, and there was a, a special, special guest appearance. I won't say who it is and spoil it, but I, I know who it is. Uh, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. So, but even that did not help their cause because uh, the, when the ratings came in for that, they were, they lost a third of their audience. Now it had a huge debut anyway. I mean, it was, I think it was the highest rated new drama uh, in four years. Wow. When, from the first episode that came out. So, you know, they, they were doing all right from the beginning, but that's, that's still tough, you know, to lose a third of your audience. Sure. You know, when you're, when you're crowing about how great it was and how everyone loved it. And, you know, they made an announcement about like, merchandise coming like shirts and things uh you know right after they got the the first episode number so they were really you know riding high on that and then you know took them down a little bit to uh suddenly say oh you know what not all those people came back so wow that's yeah that's really interesting because i would have thought that even with the you know even with those rumblings i wouldn't have thought that would have affected it because i would have i would have thought that you know the fans, and, or even the curious, because you know when you when you when you look at the Marvel movies and how well they've done, whether it's you know box office in the theater or DVD sales or you know the Avengers being you know one of the top five or top three of all time, whatever it is, you know that clearly that's not just comic book fans. It's not it's not just people that have loved this stuff for twenty thirty years. You know it's it's uh, you know it's the mainstream. They're all they're all going to see this stuff now. So yeah. I would have thought for something like this, which is, you know, a brand new show in that universe, that it would have had at least three or four episodes before the audience would kind of trail off. But that, you know, it's stuff that we've talked about on this show about how instant everything is and how, how you, you know, either you, you get on board right away or, you know, it, it starts to fizzle or, you know, if it doesn't do it that opening weekend, you know, we've talked about this many times about how disposable everything is. And there, that to me is a, is a great example right there. It's like people were, 
you know, chomping at the bit for this show. They couldn't wait for this thing. And yeah. that's a big chunk of the audience to lose just after one episode. I mean, I, I even said it as much as I complained about it, but I said, I'm not going away. You know, I'm going right. to keep checking this thing out because I want it to work. I want it to be good. Um, so that's, that's kind of shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I don't, did you see that uh, on the day, it was the day the pilot was debuting that uh, Warner Brothers came out and announced that they are going to put together yeah. a show, that show uh, about Gotham City Policemen. Yes, I did. I thought, yeah. wow, they're not doing themselves any favors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, they're going to keep looking like they're taking a page out of Marvel's book every time they do something like that. Yeah. But back to the, the ratings thing, this is, this is equally as fascinating to me. Uh, you heard, obviously, that uh, Sleepy Hollow, after, what, two episodes that have aired, I think? Yeah, that's right. After two episodes airing, they have already greenlit the second season for this thing. Yeah, and they it's, said, it's the first new show that's been picked up already for a second season. And they said, I might be getting this wrong, but what did, did they say, like, 22 million People tuned in, but that it was, oh, oh, it was, it was the biggest viewership for a for a, a first episode, you know, for a pilot. Is it since twenty four? Since the first episode of twenty four? Oh wow! Okay, I think that's what I read because that was okay. that, when that thing premiered. It was a big deal. Like they've yeah. been talking about that for a while, and there was a you know pretty big numbers right out of the gate. I think it's the biggest. Uh, numbers they've had for a Fox drama since 24. Oh, uh, so right away, after two episodes, they've said, let's go. Which, again, I haven't seen the second one, but I thought the pilot was great. Uh, I have seen the second one, and I liked it a lot. Oh, I, good. I was really, yeah. Oh, cool. Like Sleepy Hollow and Blacklist are kind of the two new things that I'm most intrigued by. Blacklist, you know, again, it, I think it's a good show, but it, it's kind of great because of Spader. Yes, oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? He just, he can take... Yeah. Very little and turn it into gold, I think. Um, so that's good. Yeah, that's that's a big show. I think, like I said way back, I think that show is going to run for seven, ten years, kind of thing. It's it's uh, that kind of show. Um, and the the other cool thing about Sleepy Hollow that I just heard recently is that uh, John Noble is going to join the cast. Oh, great! Yeah, he's great. Who he was in Lord of the Rings, and he was, you know, of course the Fringe, the the Doctor on Fringe, yeah, wacky so, Doctor on Fringe, and just, I mean, he was so excellent in Fringe. He is he is worth watching every single episode of Fringe just for him alone. Hey, I've, I've said it many speaking times. Speaking of acting, who was the who was the guy in the pilot of Sleepy Hollow that was the the woman that's like the the deputy sheriff kind of thing? Uh-huh. He was her boss. Oh, it was Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say anything, but ugh, I just thought Clancy Brown. I thought the same thing. You know, he's great. I get to see him every week. Yeah. He's so great. Yeah. No. No. Um, uh, that's great. Uh, I, I I need to I need to tune in more to to that. What else? So what else? Uh, what else has been? Well, I was gonna say what else. Uh, I I I watched. Uh, I think I watched the first episode of Trophy Wife. Which is that oh. uh, Bradley Whitford and, uh, uh, thing with uh, with Malin, the Silk Spectre? Malin Ackerman. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, uh, I did see an episode of The Crazy Ones. Oh, you did. 
Yeah, I, I had not seen the trailer for it uh-huh. that you were talking about, so I didn't know really what it was. And I I went into it hoping it was going to be more sort of Awakenings Robin Williams <laughs> and not so much Patch Adams Robin Williams. Right. That is not the case. No. No. No, he's doing shtick from 1989, maybe. Yeah. That was that was beat when he was doing it in 1989. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and what did you think? Uh, I mean, the, f- the first episode was not amazing, but we watched it all the way through. Come and on. then the second episode, our DVR grabbed and we started watching it last night. And at some point we just sort of looked at each other and go, am I watching this for you? Or are you watching it for me? Both we like, said, listen, neither one of us care. No offense. And we turned it off. No offense. Please don't take this the wrong way. You're very good on this show about being diplomatic when it comes to most things. I think the only times I, I hear you really upset are Hasbro and a few other things. You, you, I don't know how much of that four-minute trailer I saw made it into that pilot, but you're being awfully nice about saying something like, I did, it wasn't amazing. Come on. You, you, there is no way you would ever go out of your way to watch that show and not feel like you were you were being treated like a, like a moron. I'm telling you, I turned off the second episode. But you, you, the first and one, deleted you, it. You, you have to be, feel stronger about it than... Well, I'm just amazing. saying, there's, there's, there's other people in the show. You know, there's one of the guys from the newsroom, you know. So it's just like, you watch that and you go, oh, you know, it's, it was, it's exactly what you would think it would be, but it's... But the script, yeah. I, mean, we're t- I mean, I don't care if you Yeah. Orson Welles and, you know, who, it's the script. It's, it's unwatchable. It's just, but, but, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm telling you, I'm not going back. I'm not, I'm not defending it. No, I know, but you know, I'm out. I'm just, I mean, you, that's an awfully nice thing to say that it wasn't <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I'll see him at the holidays. Oh yeah. You got the awkward moments in the same circles. Um, well, speaking of, of good things, Really good things, funny things. Uh, yes, let's talk about that. One of my comedy heroes is Steve Coogan, who is not a household name in the U.S., but part of me wants that to happen someday, and part of me doesn't. Because I, right. I you know what I mean? Like when you when you dig when you dig a band or something so much that you don't really you want you want them to succeed and uh, keep uh, you know getting new audience members, but you don't want them to explode sometimes. You want it to stay a secret. Anyway, Coogan has, has done loads of stuff, and he created many characters. His most famous character is a guy called Alan Partridge. That Looking back now, Alan Partridge has been around for over 20 years. Uh, yeah. Started in a, a radio show, moved to television as a, you know, a, a sports reporter on this mock news program. Anyway, long story short, he ended up getting his own shows, and the first show that he did was called Knowing Me, Knowing You, which is an ABBA song. <laughs> He's a big ABBA fan, which is more of like a talk show. Um, and when that ended, then he, he did something extraordinary with the character, and it really changed everything. Um, you know, he, he's out of work. He can't get a show going. He, he ends up getting a job on um, uh, morning radio in Norwich, uh, doing, uh, uh, like his own <laughs> sort of, you know, music DJing, uh, very light eighties stuff, but, yeah. but it would then follow him 
to the travel tavern that he was staying at. And then the, the next series, he's having a house built and he's living in like a, a motor home. Um, and it's just brilliant. If you, I, I wouldn't, if anybody doesn't know, you know, Alan Partridge, that's what I would start with. It's called I'm Alan Partridge. I would start with the first series, move on to the second one. He's written a book, you know, as this character, like his, his autobiography. Um, yep. He showed up in other things. And then he did something uh, last year uh, on, on UK, uh, I forget which website it was. But it was like an internet thing called Mid-Morning Matters. And it's an extension of the, the Partridge character and him, you know, working at this Norwich radio station. And it's uh, eight episodes. It just came out on Region 2 DVD. Okay. So I picked that up. And then uh, it's sort of as a precursor to he's finally made it into the movies. So the film, Alan Partridge, uh, Alpha Papa, is what it's called, uh, I believe comes out... I think it comes out this month in the UK. Okay, I yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for that a while ago. Yeah, and Colm Meany's in it, and Sean Pertwee and some other faces pop up in it. Uh, it looks hilarious, and the Mid-Morning Matter stuff is brilliant, too. Uh, but I don't know when it's getting a U.S. release. I, I don't know. But um, huh. he's just, I think he's a genius, and this character is just, it's kind of like in the vein of a lot of the stuff that Ricky Gervais does. You know, right. office yeah. and actually—it's—it's it's that uncomfortable. Um, he's a very dark character and not not likable, and he's a total nerd, but that thinks he's cool. You know, um, yeah. And it's brilliant stuff. Uh, yeah, he's very, very. Funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that just that just came out, and I I grabbed that uh, along with uh, I have to talk about this real quick. Uh, a bargain okay. set again, Region Two. I like the Region 2 stuff sometimes when I go to a place like Amoeba because, you know, I have the multi-region player, but also sometimes it's so cheap. It's just, it, it feels like few people have that multi-region player, and so they, they mark stuff down like crazy at Amoeba. I picked up a box set of the Marx Brothers, four films, Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Duck Soup, and Horse Feathers, Next to, I'm on my way over. Next to uh, A Day at the Races and A Night at the Opera. The, this is the best batch of stuff they ever did. Uh, four disc, four movie sets, uh, Region 2. I got it for nine bucks. Oh, man. So how can you go wrong with that? That's, that's too much comedy for nine bucks. I know. Tell me about it. If I put that and Partridge on in one night, I'll probably have an aneurysm. Oh, you will. Yeah, you'll pull something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, that's a cool couple of fines, uh, I thought. got to be careful with that. You can't just point that anywhere. I know. I know. Tell me about it. It's, it's dangerous. Oh. As I like to say, it's dangerous comedy. <laughs> That's right. Speaking yeah. of dangerous comedy. Oh, were we? I just saw on the digital video disc yes. becoming so popular, uh, This is the End. Yes. James Franco and all those kids. Yes. James Franco and Seth Rogen and... Danny McBride and uh, who's the who's the fellow from um, the American Office? Craig Craig Robinson. Oh, Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. Robinson. Yes. Yep. Uh, Michael Sarah. Sarah, all playing themselves. Yes. Clearly, you know, heightened versions of themselves. Yeah. But this was a big movie. This movie made 
a lot of money, and for the most part, the reviews seem to have said it was the best comedy in years. Yeah, it was a big surprise. I remember most of my friends that went and saw it said, huge surprise. It was so wonderful. Did you end up seeing it? I have not yet, but uh, I actually just borrowed it from someone at work, so I've got it at home to watch. Okay, well, I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Okay, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed some of it. I, okay. I thought there were, it was, it was uh, you know what, I'll, I'll take a page out of your book and say, I didn't think it was amazing. It was not amazing. Okay. Um, part of it, you know, again, I sound like a, 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 an old fuddy-duddy, but there's only so many stoner jokes I can take yeah. at a certain point. It's just kind of like every other joke, you know? Uh, um, I get what you're saying, yeah. You know, uh, but, but it also, there, I'd be curious to know what you think think because just like we were talking about the conversation we had about Ricky Gervais where you 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 it's hard and 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 it's interesting because what I didn't mention in that conversation was uh that I had recently uh been talking to an actor actress of 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 you know pretty 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 well known that that ha- that had worked with him with Ricky Gervais? Yes, and okay. and she was saying how, you know, he's not a very nice person. Okay. In real life, he's it's that it's that it's it's a curious thing to watch some of his stuff because I think that people walk away going, "Oh, he's not like that," or that's just a character or it's exaggerated or whatever. And she was kind of saying, "It's not that exaggerated. He's not <laughs> a very nice person." So, um it's interesting. So when you're watching something like this and they're really, you know, end of the world kind of stuff, but really riffing on the fact that they're famous actors. Yeah, they're laying into each other. It's like a roast. Right. But but there's also, you know, it's very, uh, you know, there's that fine line between making fun of the fact that you're rich and famous and don't have the problems that the rest of the world does. You know, you're joking about it and making fun of it. And then on the, at the same time, you're kind of going, yeah, but that's kind of who you are. That's yeah. kind of what you are. So there were moments where I was kind of grossed out okay. by some of this stuff. But I'll, I'll, I'll explain enough. more once you've, you've seen it and uh, see what you think. Is, is it worth me seeing it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think, I think okay. yeah, there's, there's some good – I mean, I, I laughed out loud a few times, you know. There's okay. some, there's some okay. funny stuff. It's also very – you know, as expected, it's not it's not one to sit down and watch with the family. Right. It's very blue. Very blue. Very, yeah. very blue. Uh, you know, five five men, five, six men stuck in a house for however long, you know, do the math. You can figure out where some of those jokes are gonna go. Sure. sure. Um I've also watched some other stuff, but tell me what else you've been up to, like other things you've seen or what's what else oh the sim the Hobbit trailer we should talk about. Oh, yeah, that just came out. What did you think of that? Day two. I like that a lot. I, I think I've seen it three or four times already. I, I can't I, wait. I'd like to see it on the big screen. Oh, I can't, I, yeah. I, I just I remember how we were talking about it once, and we were kind of wondering how you know he's going to make three movies out of it. Yes. And it's like, yeah, well, I hope he does. I hope he makes four. <laughs> you know, it's, I want to go back to that world, because once it's gone, yeah. it's gone. Yeah, that's you know? true. Um, Unless you're going to make some sort of weird Silmarillion movie that's just a bunch of little snippets. I could, 
I remember trying to read that, I think, in the eighth grade. Yeah. And my brain started to, like, liquefy and leak out my left ear. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. I think I got through, like, three chapters, <laughs> you know, before I started speaking in tongues. Like, that's it. I can't, I can't do this. I get you. But the... Yeah, the movie looks 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 great. Um, so, do we think that it will, you know, this this second chapter? Do we think it will complete the book of the Hobbit, and then there'll be some sort of transitional movie, or is this going to be sort of Empire Strikes Backian, where he's going to get into the the mountain and meet Smaug, and then you know, it's credits and come back in a year? Oh, that's a really good question. That's a good question. Um, well, you know, isn't it sort of? Don't you sort of have to think of it in the in in the in the terms of? You know, actually, no. I take that back because you, you never really saw the journey back. I mean, isn't part of it that they we have to follow him back home? Uh, that's what I'm wondering. I, I I had heard that initially that they were looking to make that third movie, the sort of bridging the gap between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but. You know, if you, I mean, the the whole run into Smaug thing that that's got to be the high point of these three films, right? I mean, that's what you're that's what you're aiming for. Yeah, but that's a very good question. Yeah, whether if, if you, but if you if you do that all in the second film, yeah, do you have a big sort of set piece, something interesting, you know, feature thing in the third film at all? I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know what that what the content of that third film will be. And I don't know that I, you know, I know we say we love this and we can't wait to go back and it looks beautiful, but do we want a whole other film that's just just him in the mountain? Right. You know, talking to a Benedict Cumberbatch. I think it's going to be three hours of them having another dinner like they did in the first one. Right. And just throwing plates around. And uh, just once they defeat him, it's all just about them like filling their pockets right. and taking the gold. Well, we got we we should have put it in a bank. It shouldn't just be in the mountain here. You saw what happened last time. Let's pack all this up, guys. And then the last hour is just them washing dishes and singing. Yes. I think that'll be the, the final the final come down from the climax. You know? Um, yeah, very much looking forward to that. I also saw something recently that we talked about a long time ago on this very program. Oh, my goodness. We talked about this documentary called Room 237. Yeah. Which the stuff that I had read about it was, was saying it was like the best documentary of the year, you know, hands down. It's that good. For those of you that haven't heard of this or don't recall the episode we did, and I don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> you should really have these shows memorized at this point. Uh, oh, yeah. Which episode was that? What number was it that? It was episode 72. Hmm. 72 or 73. I don't remember. Right, right. No, I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's really interesting. It's it's a documentary that was made. Uh, nine different... It, it's it basically uh, giving the microphone to nine different people who have nine different theories as to what... Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is really about. Yes. Now, two things were interesting about this. First of all, I have to recommend it. I have to say you've got to see this thing uh, because it goes from fascinating to completely and utterly insane. 
I mean, <laughs> right. utterly bonkers, insane. You, the, the first reaction you have is, my God, you know, how, how do these people have this kind of time to, I mean, th- I mean, some of the theories I think I've mentioned before, one has everything to do with the faking of the Apollo moon landing and, and Kubrick's uh, involvement in that. Right. And there's loads yep. of clues. That, one theory is about the plight of the Native Americans. One theory is about uh, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust. Yes. One is, is about it being filled with sexual innuendo and, and hidden meanings in like every other scene. Uh, okay, like I said, a lot of this stuff is bonkers. The stuff that's interesting, um, that's, that's really, truly fascinating, are some of the continuity errors that in any other film with any other director, you would find these things or notice these things and go, boy, that was a big blunder. Like, I can't believe continuity didn't catch that. Someone should get fired. With someone like Stanley Kubrick, who had like a four million IQ or whatever it was, um, you have to look at these errors and, and think that they were they were done on purpose. So in other words, there, there's, there's one shot. I'll give you an example. There's one shot where Danny is sitting in a room watching television in like this living room area or whatever, or like front room area in the hotel. And the camera, it starts on the screen, on whatever this thing is that's on the television. And as you pull back and you see that, you know, Danny is in front of it watching it. And I think his mom is on the couch uh, the, the more that it pulls back, the television is in in you know in front of Danny, and then behind the television is the front window. So it's the television. Okay. It's just it's on like four legs. It's one of those older wooden televisions. You yeah. notice that not only is there no cord coming out of the television, there are no outlets anywhere near the television. So how is it running? You know. Um, <laughs> for another example, uh, the Scatman Brothers character is showing Danny and the mom around the kitchen area and the freezers. And when he opens the freezer door, he opens the freezer door. So if the camera is looking at the scene, he opens the freezer door with his left hand and the door comes out toward the camera. They then go into the freezer. The next shot, they're in the freezer. He's pointing at all the shelves and all the food. And the next shot is outside in the hallway again. But as they come out of the freezer, the door is open the other way. In other words, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so he grabs the door with his right hand and closes it. It's a completely different door, hinged a completely different way. And you look at that and you go, that can't, it's, it's Stanley Kubrick, for God's sake. You know, there, there are stories that Nicholson would tell where there was a, a, a scene literally of Nicholson just crossing a street or something that they shot like 73 times. They did 73 takes of this. You know, you see things like that and you have to think that Kubrick knew exactly what he was doing, that he's... He's pointing out somehow that this whole thing is fake. Like, there's no cord for the television. He's letting you know this is a movie or this is, a, this is a, an alternate reality or something. It's, it's loaded with stuff like that that's really fascinating. When it comes to some of the theories, they are so far out and so insane that you have to just think these are people with way too much time on their hands kind of thing. But it's, so after watching that, did you go back and rewatch the whole film over again? Yes, then? actually, it, okay. it's that kind of thing. It'll, it'll, 
it'll make you want to run to put the movie on and go, God, I never noticed that before. What the hell? Why did he do that? Or what is that about? You know, um, it's, it's really, really interesting. It's, you know, I don't know if I'd say it's like the best documentary of the year kind of thing, but it's, it's fascinating for stuff like that. And the, the, the really extraordinary thing about it, and I, I'm kind of knocked out by this. One, I thought this was, go- with every person that had a theory, I really thought it was going to be a shot of them, you know, sitting in a chair, talking to the camera or talking to the interviewer off camera about their theory. And then it might go to some still shots or a few clips or something. You never see the subjects. You never see them on camera. You only hear their voices telling their their theories. And, And secondly, the entire film, from beginning to end, is clips from... The, not only The Shining, you know, 90% of it is clips from The Shining to illustrate the points they're talking about. And the rest are clips from other Kubrick movies. Okay. And, you know, having been on the, and, and, you know, being on the other side of production many times on, on many shows where you need, you know, footage to support the story, it ain't cheap. You know, no. getting, getting footage licensed or music licensed or whatever for any kind of project is incredible. Incredibly, incredibly expensive. I don't know how they did this. And my understanding for a lot of Kubrick stuff, especially Clockwork Orange, was that the family, you know, the Kubrick estate or family, controlled most, if not all, of that footage. I mean, I, I think it had to, whenever there's a release, I know with Clockwork Orange, you know, that, that famous story about him pulling it from the UK and, and it. It was illegal to show it in the UK for 30-some years. Uh, uh, I think they had to go directly to to Kubrick's estate, you know, to get this footage. So I I don't know how they pulled it off, but it's it's quite a feat that they did. Um, Anyway, it's on Netflix Instant. So um, if you're curious, it's, it's, you know, super simple to just one click and you'll be watching it. Um, And it's, it's definitely worth checking out. I will absolutely check that out. Yeah, and you know, there's there's more than just those nine theories out there too. There's whole websites of people picking this thing apart and and you know, really drawing their own conclusions and maybe reading something into it, maybe not. It's incredible, you know, and it's it's one of those things. Did you ever see? Um, I think we've talked about this before too. Did you ever see a film called Searching for Bobby Fisher? Oh, sure. Now, that's one of my favorite films of all time. <sighs> It is such a good movie, and I don't know how to play chess. I know nothing. I mean, I know very little about chess, but it didn't matter because it's so well done. It's so well written. The cast is superb. Every every part cast in that thing is brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it's an, that's an example for me of, like, I don't care about chess. I never have, and I don't know anything about it. But if it's done right, whatever the subject is, I can get interested so what I'm saying is, you know, I'm fascinated by documentaries like this or things like this that whether I am a fan of The Shining or Kubrick or not, I would be, you know, thrilled to see this thing because it really, it really, you know, opens some very strange, strange doors. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the people, you know, you're talking about the obsessive, you know, the websites and things. She's basically made maps. She's made, you know, bird's eye views maps of the entire hotel <laughs> and and all these different rooms in the hotel just based off of 
you know, viewings of The Shining. Wow. And she's mapped out the entire hotel. You know, all these different – you can go to her website apparently and, and start clicking on these rooms and it'll – like a virtual tour of, of this hotel, which is just I, – I don't, I don't know where the <clears> – <throat> how the brain gets there or where, the, where you get the time to, to do such things. But, but it's very cool. Um, Toy-wise – to- oh, I should talk about one other documentary, but I'll get back to that. Uh, okay. Toy-wise, lots of stuff seems to be hitting shelves these days. Uh, I think I told you I found Beware the Batman. I found that figure. Yep, you texted me and told me that. figure. That's a really, really neat figure. I just love it. Um, There's lots of other stuff out there. Have you been picking anything up lately? Uh, I don't know that I picked up anything recently. I saw at PowerCon, I saw there was a dealer that had uh, the next wave of the three and three-quarter inch Star Wars Black. So oh. those those should be hitting any time now. And who are who's in it? Give me some of the characters. Uh, what's that Jedi that's like what's his name? Like hot stuff Jill or whatever. It's we've gotten a figure of him before, but it was not articulated at all. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. there's an R2 D two. Hot stuff Jill? It's not hot stuff, it's like, you know, Jedi Jill or whatever. Who? I, I don't know the guy's name. I can't think of oh, it no. right now. Well, wait, 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 hold on. You're talking the three and three quarter inch Star Wars black Series yes. of figures. It's an alien Jedi. It's an alien something Jedi. Okay, sure. Alien Jedi. So it's from yes. it's from one of the the prequels. Yes, Got that it. is correct. Most of these figures are you know because we're still living in the time where they thought there was going to be a 3D release of Episode two and three. Right. So most of the figures in you know this this wave and and kind of the last one had a tie in to uh, episode two and three. Oh. They've just repackaged them. So I think there's, you know, there's, yeah, I think there's maybe one episode four figure, maybe a sand trooper in the small thing. Okay. In a small, or a sto- there's a storm trooper. It's actually a storm trooper with a horrible helmet. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, so those are starting, starting to hit a little bit. Which now. means that the six inch, series, the next six-inch series should be coming right around the corner, right? I would think they would try and get another one out by Christmas, yeah. I can't wait for that Han Solo. That Han Solo and the Greedo. Yeah. I can't wait for those guys. Yeah, yeah. And there's also uh, the last wave of three and three-quarter inch that have that droid factory pieces. Okay. Uh, That is a Amazon exclusive and those are up for pre-order on Amazon right now. I think it's six figures, and you build uh, a realistic version, not a cartoon version of, like, uh, the pro- Jabba's Protocol droid from Clone Wars. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So those are up for pre-order, and actually Amazon just lowered the price on them. I think they're, like, forty nine ninety nine now for the whole set. So Okay. And then they've got another, they've got, like, they repainted the Slave One. It came out originally as a Clone Wars thing. They repainted it more realistic okay. and re-released it in vintage-style packaging. That's uh, Amazon exclusive. Okay. And I think there's a TIE Interceptor that's in vintage package that's there now that you can order. Um, well, I'm, I found, you know, those Marvel Universe figures? Yeah, the three and three-quarter three quarter inch? Yep. I'm very sort of... You know, piecemeal on that. Like, if I if I think it's a cool character, you know, I'll, I'll grab it, but I won't get 
you know, the entire series, uh-huh. which is good for me, certainly. Uh, and uh, there's a new wave that's out that are in, like, tri-language packaging, sort of. Have you seen this? Uh, no. Huh? So, like, there's a, there's a really cool figure of Iron Man uh, in, like, this space-age armor. It's, like, this blue armor with very sort of, you know, Tron-looking designs on his, on his body. It's a really neat figure. Yeah, I do know the figure. There's, um, is it, what's the two characters? Is it Cloak and Dagger or yep. Sex and Violence or whatever? No, it's Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger. Uh, there's those. There is Mysterio, which I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, Baron Zemo. There's a That's right, yeah. Green Orange Baron Zemo. So I found the Iron Man and the Baron Zemo, and those are, uh, those are fun. Uh, and also, um, I got uh, hip to, uh, you know, the, the Lego stuff that's out there. Then you've got the, was it Creo? Is that one of them? Creo is the one done by Hasbro, And yeah. then there's Kinex. Yes. Which is another, they're all sort of in that Lego universe. Mm-hmm. Kinex has put out two sets of Beatles little minifigures. From yeah, the Sub- Beatles and Kiss, right? Beatles and Kiss, yeah. The Beatles ones are from Yellow Submarine, as most stuff is. And um, there's one set that's the band, as they appeared in the movie, and then there's another set that's them dressed as Sgt. Pepper's band, basically from the film. Like, yep. I think they were both... I could be wrong about this, but were they both Target exclusives, those sets? That's, I think that's the only place I ever saw them. I don't know if I ever heard that they were absolutely exclusives, but I know that's that's all, all I ever saw. Yeah, I never saw them anyplace else. Well, now there is a playset to go along with those figures. There's a yellow submarine playset that is, you know, one side of it is the submarine, and then the other side kind of folds out uh, into like a, a bandstand, you know, platform for the band to stand on and play as they in, in the movie. It comes with uh, the second set of Beatle figures dressed as the band, and then it also mm-hmm. comes with two different Blue Meanies, little minifigures, which is the only way you can get those guys. Okay. And it's, um, it's a Toys R Us. Now, I had heard that it might be a Toys R Us exclusive, and looking online in all of L.A., there was only one Toys R Us, the Los Feliz Toys R Us, that yes. uh, seems to be carrying it in store. Otherwise, you have to order it. Um, so that's kind of a fun Beatles toy. I just love that there's a, <clears throat> a couple of Beatles toys out there. Like that time that there were those James Bond cars that just got released, and I was excited about that. Stuff you just don't see. It's such an odd thing to, to license you know, Lego-ish figures and toys for the Beatles. I just love it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's out there. That's, a, that's kind of a fun cool toy that's out there. Speaking of construction toys, yes. uh, there is, you know, Lego does that, I don't even know how to pronounce it, the Kuosko, whatever, where people, builders make sets and then people vote on them and if they get enough votes, then they'll make that set. Oh, is that is that and, a real thing? This is a new thing. I don't know about this. Is that a real thing then? Oh, it's a real thing. It's a real thing through Lego, yeah. Oh, so and, uh, thought, one of the most recent one is that that Minecraft set. Okay. Because when I see those things get posted, I I assume that it was someone, you know, doing uh, customs and like almost like a wish list going, you know, if this gets enough attention, 
you know, Lego will pay attention to it. But you're saying Lego is making these sets and saying who wants it, almost like a, like a pre-order or a Kickstarter sort of thing. That's absolutely correct, oh. yeah. And uh, that they, the most recent one they did was the Time Machine from Back to the Future. Okay. Which is, which is now a real set. You know, I got it in the mail. So you can huh. you vote on them, and then, you know, they'll pick, I think, the top two, and they'll usually make those, and then you pre-order them, and they'll mail them right to your house. So, so wait a second. We I'm will, sorry. Jump back for a second. So yeah. what, was the, what was the time between the Back to the Future thing getting posted as a possibility and you being able to order it? How long did that – was it like six months, or was it – what was it? Being able to order, it was probably, once it was picked, I think it was maybe four months or so. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, they're all existing parts. They're not making anything new. Uh, you know, that's what these, these guys come up with, these builders that love this stuff. But they're making, and, but isn't, wouldn't the DeLorean be a new piece? Nothing in the DeLorean is a new piece, no. Oh. It's all existing stuff. They just, you know, they reskin the minifigures uh-huh. like they do, but that's... You know, that's just tampo printing on those and, and casting things in different colors. Tampon printing? No. That's a different show. You're in you're in toys. You know what I'm talking about. I, I thought you said tampon. I said no. I thought the show got weird. <coughs> Very and uh, so, yeah, there, uh, someone contacted us the other day uh, that has put together a set that is being voted on right now, and it is an E.T. set that is just adorable. Oh, fun. Yeah. I think it's got five figures. It's got, you know, Elliot, Gertie, the brother, because uh, they've already got a guy like in a containment suit that came in the, the minifigure set. Uh-huh. So uh, they got that guy, and it's like the house, the little shed, and then the truck that the scientists come and try and take him away from. You know what's interesting? Tell me. Well, again, kind of like the Batman 66. Actually, not even like that, because the Batman 66 stuff, you know, I would eventually get probably some of that stuff or like I'll, I'll probably buy the DVDs, you know, when they come out. Um, but as a popular thing, uh, I was never into ET. I don't, I don't have a nostalgia for it. I've never owned it. I don't think it's a bad film. Obviously mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful and, uh, uh, you know, hits the right buttons and all that stuff. But it, it's kind of like the wizard of Oz for me where I just, I just don't have an interest Besides, you know, it maybe being on television sometime and, and catching part of it, it it doesn't hold that nostalgia for me. I, I don't know why. I think it might have been right around that time that, you know, like I, I used to say about like some of the He-Man stuff when I bought some of that when it originally came out all those years ago. It was yeah. just on that sort of fence about getting it home and kind of going. I think I might be a little too old for this stuff. Right, right. You know, and just you know other interests kind of kicking in, and it was right after Raiders uh, and E.T. I just never had, I don't know why it is, I just don't have, there was, uh, there's a new show on, is it Bravo? I forget what network, but it's, it's, it's called Fan Addict. Have you seen this okay. or heard about this? No, I don't think I have. It's hard to watch, I'll be honest with you, because it, <laughs> okay. it really does, I mean, it, the, the first episode they did was the Superman guy, you know, the Superman on, in front of the Chinese theater. Oh, yeah, Christopher Dennis. Yes. And you weren't just following him at work. They follow him home. They they watch him get up in the morning and put himself together as Superman, you know, wearing putting on his fanny pack and heading off to work. But 
you know, he's very honest about every paycheck he gets or what, I mean, whatever it is, if it's a, or I don't know if there's an agency or whatever, or like just cash or whatever he does for tips goes, he goes right up to this collector store on Hollywood Boulevard to try to find something else from 78 Superman that he doesn't have. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, he, they also, there was a, a documentary called Confessions of a Superhero. Yes, I've never seen it, but it's... That he is in. I, I've seen it. It's it's something, it's a sight to behold. But it, they show his whole house, they show his wife, you know. It just kind of, it, it sometimes veers into that territory that starts to kind of make me sad. I know it shouldn't. If he's happy, that's fine. But I just, it, sometimes some of that stuff gets hard for me to watch. And one of the episodes I saw, you know, ten minutes of it, um is this guy that has the world's biggest E.T. collection. Um, okay. uh, he's an interesting dude. You know, he's, he's just kind of, a, kind of a rocker dude. He's, like, covered in tattoos. He's got a new baby and a wife and has just this amazing thing. Like, he goes to the storage unit and shows you this E.T. And it's, it's extraordinary. He's got, like, cast and crew jackets and caps, and he's got bits from the set, you know, like some of the little mushrooms that, that were on the ship. You know, oh, he's got wow. yeah. stuff like that, and he, they follow him because he's decided now with the, with a the baby that it's time to sell the collection. Uh, you oh. know, to get some money for the kid or whatever. Um, it's it's interesting, but anyway, um, it made me think about ET and how I just I don't seem to have the mechanism or whatever to be interested in that movie. I don't know why. Did you do you have any of the Toys from back in 82, 83? No. I mean, I did way back in the day, I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had one of those little vinyl ones that you could raise his head up and had, you know, just a painted finger. Well, I had so, that guy. He came with, yeah, with yeah. a speaking spell. Oh, did he? Yeah, right. It was the fig- the LJN figure that you pressed the button on his neck and he, his neck went up. Now, this this one was not that. This this was uh, an analog one. You had to raise his head up and kind of jimmy it to get it to stick. Oh, Okay. I think I might have even got it like at a fair. I don't even know if it's a licensed thing. Yeah, that was a big deal at the at the fairs. Yeah, it yeah. was everywhere. Uh, and I've got a couple of the 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 NECA ones. You know, because the, they just released them oh. um, a year or so right. back. But so. didn't they? Wasn't there also a company that, like, about I don't know, five ten years ago, did a whole series of figures and toys for Toys R Us? There was, yeah. And they were not great. Who was that though? Who did that? Uh, they, I. Yeah. I can't remember the name of them. They just came out of the blue. I think they were calling themselves like Toys R Us Toys oh, or okay. something. I had the I had the little LJN figure that you push the switch on the back and it raises the, the neck. He came with a little speaking spell. And I had there was a, a one toy they made that that LJN did that was a, the, his ship. And a little mini figure of E. T. snaps into the ship and when you open the doors up and press a button he, he's on wheels and he just shoots out from inside the the little spaceship, I had that. Yep. Okay. But that's it. I just, and I've never owned it on 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 DVD or VHS or anything. Uh, I don't know why. You know the famous story about Harrison Ford, right? And ET. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Well, his wife, who he was, I think, dating at the time, or maybe they were married, but his his wife, Melissa Matheson, his second wife, wrote the screenplay for ET. I did know that. And you know, Spielberg directed it. Uh, obviously, and they had just worked together on Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's a deleted scene that day that that Henry, uh, no, I'm sorry, Elliot, Henry Thomas was the guy who played him. Elliot's acting funny 
at school and he gets called into the principal's office and he's sitting in, I think you're watching him in the chair in the principal's office and E.T., I don't know if he's getting drunk or what he's doing at home. And, that, that's it. and so it's juxtaposed and Elliot's kind of acting weird in the principal's The principal's not paying attention to that. And the principal, you never see his face clearly. He's kind of in the shadows and he just kind of, from behind his desk, he then gets up and walks around and then back to his, he's lecturing Elliot the whole time about behavior. And it's Harrison Ford. Huh. So, and it got cut out of the film. It's, it's a deleted scene that you could find. Uh, I think you can probably find it on YouTube, but it's definitely on the DVD releases. Um, yeah, he would have been, uh, had that stayed in there, that would have been one more gigantic film to put on his resume of, uh, you know, he was the guy that by the end of the 80s, and it's a different time, obviously, and different money for, for, for movies, he was, his stuff made over a billion dollars, yeah. just the 80s alone. And I think they could say that he was in, at that point, like five of the top ten grossing films of all time. Yeah, yeah. It would have been six with E.T. That's true. A little bit of trivia there. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about real quick, um, because, you know, uh, well, I won't say why exactly, but I was just going to say, you know, when you, when you think about all these, you know, people out there in the industry, actors, musicians, TV people, whatever, and I hear horror stories from people I know in the industry. I certainly hear them now and then from my wife, you know, dealing with talent and or just the agents and managers and things and difficulties sometimes. Uh, this was such a refreshing documentary to see. Uh, back in 2001, Neil Finn, who's one of my musical heroes, uh, along with, you know, the Beatles and, and Paul Weller, Neil Finn is right up there. Neil Finn is from New Zealand. His older brother, Tim Finn, started a band called Split Ends back in the 70s. Uh, as a youngster, you know, when Neil was about 19, 20 years old, he joined Split Ends. They'd always been big in New Zealand, never did much in the U.S. Once he joins, they had their first big hit in the U.S. called I Got You, uh-huh. which people probably know. Uh, I do. Once they disbanded in the mid-80s, he formed a group called Crowded House, yep. who were a phenomenal band. First, they never had the success in the U.S., the they did for their first record again that first record was huge and i believe the song don't dream it's over still one of the best pop songs ever written i believe it went top hey five. now hey now brilliant brilliant tune and the greatest also the greatest last song to ever play for a band to ever be able to play in concert you know they'd have to end every show with that song it was genius then he started up a solo career. He's just, he just had an amazing career. You know, two bands and a solo career, and he's just the, one of the greatest songwriters. Back in 2001, did a thing for two weeks in New Zealand where brought out a bunch of musicians. They all played two weeks' worth of concerts, and they put out an album called uh, Seven Worlds Collide. But it was people like Eddie Vedder, Johnny Marr, a um, couple of guys from Radiohead, a couple of guys from Wilco, uh, just, just a an eclectic batch of folks that you wouldn't necessarily think were, you know, big Neil Finn fans. And then mm -hmm. in 2010 or 2011, they did the same sort of thing for, for 20 days. He got 20 musicians out to New Zealand, uh, to write 20 songs, to write, record, and, you know, produce 20 tracks for a double disc set called the sun came out. 
uh, for Oxfam. All the proceeds went to charity. And it's, okay. it's just in this documentary that's on Netflix called The Sun Came Out. Uh, again, same batch of folks. Johnny Marr, guys from Radiohead, the, almost the entire band, Wilco, Neil Finn, his family. He's got two sons that are musicians. His wife you know, occasionally records. Uh, a woman called Bic Runga, who's uh, an Australian uh, singer. Um, Lisa Germano. Just a just an amazing bunch of people. And they do it all just for the love of wanting to get together and, and, and write songs and, and make this stuff. And not only is the double disc a terrific record, like every single track, but it's a really cool documentary to just see this process. Uh, and it's not being done for, you know, to make millions of dollars or, I don't know, I've just been lately with all this Miley Cyrus madness and stuff that's out there, you know, the, the terms, you know, genius and artist get thrown around so freely sometimes that right. it was really refreshing to see something like this um, and, and, and just wonderful, wonderful music. So that's another documentary that I have to, have to recommend uh, strongly. It's called The Sun Came Out. Uh, and you said also on Netflix? Also on Netflix Instant, yep. You can, okay. you can do Room 237 and that one in one, one sitting. I just might have a nice. Uh, yeah, if you dig it, then I'll, I'll loan you the the double disc set. You can burn the the the, the CDs because because I feel like even though you like some wacky stuff that I would you know I'm not into that that uh, that a lot of your sensibility is kind of for for pure you know pop craftsmanship and songwriting and it yeah, it yeah. doesn't get much better than Neil Finn. Um, Oh yeah, and, I've you know I've got a ton of his stuff. Yeah, also. and the, and the, and the people that he's kind of surrounds himself with in this on this project, uh, just great great stuff. So yeah, if you check it out and you like it, let me know for sure. Yeah, my brother Russell, you know the theme song guy, yeah. also gigantic fan. Is he? Of, oh yeah. Oh no kidding. Yeah, he was the one that turned me on to him. Oh no kidding. Yeah. Oh, I should uh, I should send him a note. I had no idea he was such a. Again, that's one of those things. For me, that's like a secret handshake. When you find out someone is into, you know, Paul Weller or Neil Finn or something, it's like, really? Uh, yeah. That's cool. I'll have to send them a note about that. Totally. Awesome. He's, he's in Africa right now, so he might not get it. Really? Yeah. Is he on safari? Uh, they are going to go on safari. for his. Uh, he went with his wife, who her company was sending a bunch of people to help build orphanages. Wow. Uh, over there, literally, yeah. And so they they left just two nights ago. Oh, that's very cool. That's yeah, a yeah. long, long trip. Yes, yeah. That's yeah. like it. So they're there a week, you know, doing things for the orphanage, and then they tacked on one more week, uh, and they're going to do a safari. So awesome. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, give him my give him my best. I will to enjoy uh, enjoy Africa. I will. And just a couple of things I want to mention here yeah. at the end. Uh, let me see here. One of them is a, a, a fun little article that my buddy Danny Newman wrote over on AFI uh -huh. that talks about uh, just sort of the names of all the toy companies. The names? And how they got that. Yeah, how toy companies get their names. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's an entry for Biff Bang Pow. No way. Where he speculates where it might have come from. Ooh, I'm going over. Uh, I'm going over there right come. now. Uh, and he actually calls you out saying, is this where it came from? So, Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, so I'll put a link to that in there. That's and then cool. also 
going up on Monday, probably around the same time as this, I did a podcast this past week with Scott Knightlick from Mattel kind of talking about what went wrong with the DC Universe subscription uh, and what, what might be going forward with it. So Okay, that's going to be up on, on AFI. On AFI. Okay. Yep. Cool. So, yeah. And then uh, we'll probably mention again next episode because it'll be airing right then, but PBS uh, coming up on October 15th is doing a documentary about superheroes and, and kind of them being in the media and stuff. I just got a copy of it in the mail yesterday, so I plan on watching it this weekend, and then I can talk about it next week. Awesome. On the next episode. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I can't wait, I can't wait to uh, hear about that and to read Danny Newman's article. Yeah, that's, it's a lot of fun. We, we, I mean, we tried to compile just about everything and find out where they were and where they came from. And awesome. It was, it was a fun little thing. He did all the legwork. We just filled in. Obviously, like, hey, uh, you, didn't, you didn't say these guys. Obviously, it's uh, alphabetical. I'm looking at it right now, and I see applause. Wasn't there a real sad story about applause? I don't know. Was there? Yeah. The guy, one of the guys, as they were either about to fold or... It was a rumor, I forget, but he committed suicide. I do kind of vaguely remember right? that. Right? Yeah. I'll have to look that up, but yeah, they were right around those being... companies that was just, it just seemed they just, every other movie that came out, they got a license for it. They yeah. They put out, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, cool. I can't wait to read that. Uh, and then, of course, you're very good at this. We have a, a listener of the week. I don't think I picked a list of the week. You didn't pick one. Okay. I don't didn't. have one. Do you have anyone? Well, I'll nominate Danny Newman. How's that? Oh, wow. He's, he's, a, he's a big fan. He listens to the show. He is. He designed our logo. He designed our logo. And anyone that takes the time to give me some attention in Biff Bang Pow, then uh, is, a, is a listener of the week where I'm concerned. So God bless nice. you, Danny. That's right. Uh, that's a show. That's a lot of, that's a lot of show. That is a whole lot of show. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, the thing is, like, I'm a little biased, you know, because I'm in the show. Right, right. But if I were listening to this show, I would be exhausted at this point. <laughs> I am exhausted, I, and I did listen to I it. would be exhausted at just the sheer volume of crap. I mean, stuff. Wait a second. That we're turning people on to. High caliber information. I mean, imagine if you, if you came to this show... Not having seen or heard any of the stuff we're talking about, you'd have a whole uh, list of stuff that you would have to go and see and listen to or possibly buy. That's right. They've all got like a homework assignment. Now. We're we're almost like the internet. Yes. You know. Except, we're the the audio internet. Except we're flesh and blood. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, that's a that's a fun that's a fun hour and a half or whatever it's been. It's been about that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know I've enjoyed it. Yes. All right. Well, enjoy. So have a good week, everyone. Have a great week and uh, lots more crap. I mean, stuff I'm sure we'll be coming up with uh, in the meantime. That's right. We'll reconvene in a week and uh, come see us in another six months for a checkup and a cleaning. There you go. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Shiny. Let's be bad guys.
depths of nature's deepest mystery.